Uh, but the market's starting to pick up. So. Ah, don't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I mean, people are going 18,000, 18 million over. I mean, it's just it's crazy. No. Ah. no, it's about the same. It's like it's it's there's still those first time we lost a couple of deals with first time buyers. They just freaked out and didn't make the deposit. It's like seen the house 18 times. You read the disclosures, you read the inspections and like, uh, and what, but we had a cash deal, no contingencies, but they come back the next day, say we need 10 days for contingencies. I said, for what? Yeah. You know, it's like, and then I knew they weren't going to make the deposit and moved on to the next person. So, right. Anyway, Brandon, you ready? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So we're actually officially starting episode two of season two. We fix real estate. I'm Fred Glick with Rene Perez above me in the video or in your ear somewhere soon if you're listening to this on an audio. And we have secretly in here behind the scenes is Jen, our super admin, and she's just hanging out here. So you may never see her. So she's always behind the scenes. <laughs> so we got a special guest star today. Um, this is a gentleman who had been our client as a buyer who went through the swing loan, bridge loan process. It's a little different with him because he had two houses. We tried to do it with one house. We'll get into those details later. And also we have behind Rene is uh, C3PO or our version of it. And we'll get into it what that really is a little later, and his friend, R2-D2. Or do I have him backwards? I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> so all the Star Wars fans are all upset at it, so we said it wrong, and the Star Trek fans hate us. Anyway, and let's... never watch Star Wars, so... Never watched it? Nope, never have. Oh, one day, one day. A generational thing, I guess. It didn't come out, you know, in your era. Yeah. So, Maybe. Well, Wooter, let's start with the first question. Have you seen Star Wars? Absolutely. Of course. You know, the original, I don't know, like when my dad was young, he showed me the original, uh, the first, what was it, episode four, I think was the first one? Yeah, technically, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've seen all of them, but I've seen a good amount of them, and I think I've probably seen the last one in the, in the cinema, so. There you go. Oh, no, they'll, they'll make thousands more. Are you kidding? <laughs> I made a lot of money for that. Last one so far. I like it. I tell you, you know, I think it's a little repetitive. It gets a little repetitive after a while because yeah. you know, the next generation yeah. the same with the original generation does. But it's you know, uh, it's a, I like it. There you go. I actually saw it originally when it came out. It was Face War Opera. Is that what it's called the genre. I'm sorry. Face War Opera. I think is what it's called. Ah, it's actually a name for it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this is not the Big Bang Theory, so we'll move on. Uh, so Wooter um, came to us, and I guess he can ex kind of explain kind of his, his process of selling. He's, he, he was selling a he's sold, under agreement. He's selling a property over on in the peninsula and then jumping over to the East Bay. And this is kind of interesting because he said, look, it's got to work in the next couple of months because I'm moving my kids from this school to this school. We don't want to miss the window. Yeah. So so the one thing about you is you understood the process. And you understood that, that you're just going to get seriously into it. So why don't you take us up to, like, first of all, how you found us, who else you checked out and kind of 
Why? Right. So um, I guess maybe I'll do a quick background of kind of my situation. I was located in the Bay Area, bought my first house ever there in uh, on the middle of the peninsula um, about seven years ago. And so what happened is, um, uh, you know, the pandemic hit and the kids were all in the house and we decided uh, it was a nice time to get a bigger house. I have three children. My oldest uh, was was is going right now into middle school. My youngest was going into elementary school, and so we figured, uh, why, you know, why not buy another house or a different house and move? Actually, now that I think about it, I guess I don't tell this story a lot. But what what really happened is I was in the middle of trying to refinance the original house because I had a right. and so I told my wife. I said, look. I'm talking to these bankers and they basically tell me if I refinance and we can't move for at least half a year. So we could also move. And so that's kind of, I guess you could say my first mistake because then she said, she thought about it for a while, I said, let's move. And so now I had a, a little bit of a bigger problem because uh, it's right at the end of the pandemic. The, it's, you know, it's always crazy to uh, buy a house in the Bay Area, but this was the worst time in known history. Um, and so, you know, I, the, the first problem I had in my mind is, can we afford to move? Like, how does that work? Right. I, I had never bought a house before, you know, I'd never sold a house before I bought one house, never sold one. How does that work? Like, how do you buy and sell? How do you buy and sell? Do I have to move twice? Those kinds of things. Um, and so I just typed in, um, uh, I, I guess I just typed in, I need a realtor uh, in uh, Google, and I went and started calling the top uh, listings, and you were there. And so you, you know, so the first thing that happened as per my recollection is I put in my email address, and I got this invitation to say, can you meet on Slack or on Zoom? And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Right, that's kind of how I live, right? I on Zoom and on Slack every day, all day. And the first thing that happens is, you know, this guy and his buddy uh, show up on this on this phone call, and he just explains to me all the answers to all my questions, right? Like, how, you know, do you do you have to move twice? No, there's a solution, right? How much does it cost? Well, if you go with me, it's cheap. Um, or inexpensive or whatever you say. Uh, is it hard? Well, you, you know, how, how do I get financing? I have this uh, difficult financing situation. Um, how do I solve this? He said, well, you know, I know somebody, uh, Vinny with the big arms, I think you called him at the time. It turns out it was a different guy, but um, it was great. all these problems basically um, slowly but surely um, kind of disappeared or got solved or the answer to my questions got answered. Yeah, it's a kind of a good way to put it. So let me kind of go down and translate into actually like kind of what we, what happened, what we did. So the bottom line with uh, I, one thing that I really push, push, push absolutely every one of our potential clients is they got to be like super pre-approved, ready to go, yada, yada. Wooters self-employed. The self-employed is just hated by the standard lenders because they don't get it. They just don't get it. His situation was that he had to go to what they call non-QM, non-qualified mortgage lenders. 
still, to me, they're known as subprime lenders. It's just because it's not plain vanilla, Fannie Mae or Jumbo, great rate, blah, blah, blah. So they drove them crazy, I'm sure, with get me you know, a, a statement every single hour of what your business is doing and freshening it up. And it was just a pain. So we knew we were going to have a problem. So what I said to Uder is get approved for whatever you can get approved at. And then what we'll do is we'll use that approval to go to these swing bridge loan lenders. And because they're going to get paid off, that's all they really care about. So what they will do is go and approve you for a loan of like 75% loan to value. And your case is a little different, but I won't go into that now. Just by proving that you did have income, that you have this approval, and what they did is say, okay, we'll go to 75% loan to value. We're not going to verify your assets. We're not going to do an appraisal of the property. We don't care because they know the market. So that's what we were able to do to leverage that. In addition to paying a, a ginormous price. Um, and I forget, what did we do with the rebate? Did we use that in the price negotiation? Or did we use that to pay for the swing loan? I can't remember. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so what happened at the end of the day, um, a couple of things happened. I got pre-approved for a loan. I got approved for uh, a swing loan. Uh, I bought a house. Right. With, with Fred and Renee. Yeah, but uh, I'm asking on the purchase. I sold my old house. Right, but on the purchase, did you use the rebate to re to uh, be part of the bid? Yeah. Okay. So what happened is, you know, we wanted to have a most competitive bid and, uh, you know, the price model where, where Fred, um, uh, you know, that, that Fred offers uh, works very well with that. Bring what we're doing is on the offer, um, we, I think the way originally it worked is you had put on the offer that uh, the total commission was going to be zero dollars. Right. The total commission will be taken care of a different way. Uh, at the end of the day, um, that's not what what happened. I think the selling agent, you know, changed that around and ended up putting uh, Fred's commission back onto uh, back back into the the, the project or into the flat project. fee. Just our flat fee of eighty-seven. With flat fee. Right. So we uh, used the rest. We gave it to the seller, and the seller was able to have a lower sale price. That's right. And pay less closing costs too. That's so right. yeah, and you know the message was simple. It said they said, uh, look, you were competitive or you won the bid because you know you have the most competitive um rebate. Um right. Uh, what, what was your purchase price? 1.85 or 1.8. Well I <laughs> roughly I I offered uh, 1.85 million um and the buyer took 1.845. Okay, but there it's about thirty-seven. So, so in the twenty high twenties, twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand is what we use to just give back to the seller. So that's right. That's pretty cool. And you can go to our page at areva.com/buyers. You can play with it so you can see how much rebate you get and a bunch of other information. So okay, so now we get to a point where uh, the house is sold and. Uh, now you're going to list your house. So, yeah, we wanted to kind of introduce our thing behind Rene. That's a Matterport. <laughs> That's what yeah. they look like. So That's I guess for, for those of you that, you know, have never seen how a 3D model is created, you have this little 
camera with three separate lenses. I won't go too deep into that because I did not study <laughs> what exactly are the different lenses. But pretty much throughout the whole property, this camera will turn and turn and turn a 360 degree angle. So probably dependent on the size of your house, it will take anywhere between an hour and a half to even four hours. But you know, it's it's a really important for uh, your house to to have a uh, basic things like this because, especially with the pandemic, I mean, you don't want just every single person to go inside the house and then decide they didn't like it, right? So they see this 3D that has everything they they might kind of sort of like, and then once they see that, once they see the whole layout, they can then decide, yeah, you know what, I'll. I'll go and see it. You know, I'm a serious buyer. I actually like the property. So uh, exactly. I, th I think you guys can see on the screen, I have one of the 3Ds of one of the properties that we just put under contract. This is a complete empty house. This room is empty except for this lamp. What they did is this is what we get done. We virtualize, stage the place. And they did a nice job with this is kind of how the nice best layout of this room would work. Look really nice. And then you can even do things where let's go in the kitchen and then you get to the door here and we hit another button and we can take you outside. So they're now allowing this to go outside. Let's look at the back, way backyard here. It's pretty cool. So you can get into some pretty deep detail with this. Um, one quick other thing to mention, I will stop sharing this, is uh, the other toy we have. I don't know if you have some B-roll for it, Rene. Not, not yet, but I will bring out the drone. I mean, the aerial shots, I mean, making sure that there's pictures from the entire neighborhood. I mean, it just creates the full service aspect to what we do, right? So um, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still learning how to use a drone, of course, but... Yeah, we'll have our magic drone soon that allegedly will fly through the house, remote control, and you'll be able to eventually control it from your house or something. So it's another cool thing. Anyway, Wooter, back to you. So tell us how this this experience of being a seller was generically and, and what people can expect from, you know, agents things that happened, uh, buyer brokers, goof stuff. I, I don't know if you got into any of that or was it just pretty much bing, bing, bing? No, I mean, it was it was pretty straightforward. Um, I still feel like it costs a lot of money to sell a house. Like, you know, if you, um, if you sell your house for $2 million, you're gonna pay like $80,000 $80, or so in costs, which was more than I expected. Um, Besides that, the process of selling a house, you know, with whatever the agent was I used was pretty uh, straightforward. Um, you know, it was uh, signing some documents, putting together the disclosures. Um, they took care of all the repairs and stuff that I wanted to get done and all the painting and all that stuff. So that was uh, easy and straightforward. Um, but it is what one of the things that surprised me, it's still quite stressful, right? Even though a lot is taken care of, you know, there's this idea, there's a lot of kind of writing on it. As a buyer, I always had this feeling that the seller was kind of in control in some sense by making all these decisions. 
interestingly enough, as a seller, I was kind of feeling like the buyers were too much in control um, because, you know, how many buyers are you going to get in? What do they offer? You're kind of, you know, and an offer comes in and you have to uh, respond to it quickly. I, maybe it's because it's not my job or for whatever reason, the, the industry is um, uh, is broken or whatever, but it's just, it's still kind of, even as a, as a buyer, it's a painful uh, process and I don't really enjoy it. Yeah. It's like I tell everybody, buyer and seller, it's like, you got to understand this is a business transaction. This is a contract between parties and you have to perform and they're going to ask for different parts of the contract. And one of them is, and it's as a buyer broker, I do this. I want an answer from a seller right away because I also don't want the agent to shop my deal to other other agents. Because believe it or not, kids, it happens that agents take your deal, call their friend, who works in their office or somewhere that just another friend say, I got an offer for a million to come in a million to 10 and it's yours. I have documented evidence that it happens. So, you know, you want an answer right away. You don't want it to shop. Um, Sometimes it's also about being slightly more patient. I know it's a little difficult when it's like, okay, well, I I really want to sell us as quickly as possible. Um, Everything else is being sold in a week. You know, what happens? You know, I'm, I'm a little scared. Even in the, the old listings that uh, we've worked on, it's like, yeah, one day you get an offer, uh, one day you won't, and then two days later you'll get an offer that's, you know, uh, 5% more than the last one. And, well, it's a risk. It, it's, it's always going to be a risk. Yeah. You accept that one that's pretty good or you're a little patient. And it's, you know, it's all speculation. People tend to think that the housing market or, or real estate is not speculation. It's all speculation, you know? So a, you don't yeah. know. It's just another asset. Yep. yep. It, it's Bitcoin with, with sticks and bricks, you know? And, and Fred, I still do not want to be paid in Bitcoin, you know, just. <laughs> so what happened with my process is, you know, we uh, were on the market for two weekends and we set a bidding date for Tuesday afternoon at one. And I was going to call the guy, you know, an hour later and I called him up and he said, I have, I don't have good news. We have one bid that's about 5% under the asking price. Right. That was, you were in that lull. We and were- I, that's not what I was expecting, right? I was like, you know, two weeks from now, we started, you know, we started going on the market. I was like, two weeks from now, we're going to have 10 offers. And all I have to do is choose, you know, the highest one. And then we're going to be yeah. done. And I called yeah. the guy, you know, crickets. So that was stressful, right? That's just not what I was expecting. That's also not what I was prepared, you know, for, I guess. It's also, I guess, not what the agent was expecting. And the reason, uh, uh, you know, may be what it is. And at the end of the day, it got sold. It took a couple of days longer and the price ended up being fine. Um, but, it, you know, that created a little bit of extra frustration that I just kind of wasn't prepared for. Yeah. And I mean, it came, we suffered from, because we had three listings that all went, four listings that all went up at the same time. At that time, there was this lull when people were able to take their masks off. It was summertime. The kids were out of school, pent up energy to get out. And they just said, real estate, it's ginormous. It's like, let me relax for a while. And so everything just fell off. 
and slowly they're coming back. We can see it. And, you know, like that, both houses that we had left that went sold today, where just more and more and more and more interest. So we got some stuff coming up and hopefully that'll be able to be, you know, even better market. Because if you think about it, the supply didn't change in six weeks. The demand, if it dropped off 10%, big deal, but you got people kind of reinvigorated to do it. And there's always new first time buyers. Well, and also the other thing is last time when we started doing these listings, it was masks of free to go wherever you want. And guess what? Now we're back into, hey, everyone, start wearing your masks again. So, you know, prices will go up. Masks on, prices up. (laughs) There's the headline for this. So I should have waited like a couple of weeks. Masks off, price down. There we go. Yeah, it's exactly it. It's crazy. But it's all oh, the other thing, you know, the kind of, and I still want to talk about my own process a little bit more because, you know, the, the thing that's, that's just so frustrating for me is this idea that you have when you sell a house in California, you have to sell it in eight days because if it's waits too long, you yeah. know, now the vultures are circling apparently. So there is this kind of pressure, right? Of you have to sell it or it's, you're going to get less less money, but there's no control, right? right? As soon as you decide, I'm going to go now, you know, you have to wait eight days and then you'll know if it was successful or not. And you can't do anything in the middle. There's nothing to do. But the, but the funny thing is, had you listed two weeks before that, you would have had that kind of eight day gone. See you later. It just it turned on a dime. It blew everybody's well, mind. That's kind of what I feel like I was missing, right? Somebody that understood that part of it and really kind of was able to before you know I went through this process, map out based on some data that I could check myself, tell me, okay, this is the right time to list. You know, this is all the steps that you need to do beforehand, and these are all the steps that you shouldn't do uh, if you want to hit this date. And and I feel like that you know no one really took me through that process partially because I didn't ask for it. Yeah. Right? It was the first time that I sold a house. When I was buying a house, it was the second time, right? And I found Fred because I knew what to look for. Thank you. And we tried. We had uh, what did we, we put in two offers before we got this, or just one? I can't remember. It was the second offer that we. Offer. Yeah. The first. What did we end up losing the first one by? So the first offer that I made on the house was 1.92, I think I offered. And, um, you know, if you're calculating your commission, that's kind of equivalent to 1.95. Right. If you take out that, you know, the difference. Uh, and I think it went for not 1.955. So they beat us, you know, they just, what happened is um, we put in the bid they asked us to come back and, and you know, give our best price. Right. Uh, but they said they were asking four people for their best price. And so we're like, you know, that just makes no sense. Like if you have two people that are on top, sure, but it, this is just greedy. So we gave up. It was our first offer. You know, we didn't want to go all the way. And we ended up losing it by 5000 because the seller shopped it around or whatever. Um, but, you know, the second house, we made an offer. Uh, it was very competitive offer. You know, the Fred's pricing structure definitely helped. Uh, and we got it. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. So how are you enjoying the house? Everything good? Oh, the house is great. Oh, it's, yeah. Kids love it? 
The kids love it. You know, it's a little bigger. It's It costs about the same uh, in terms of the price, but the house is about 30% bigger. It has a little pool here. Oh, and, uh, you know, we're getting ready to go to school next week. So we're all looking forward to this. Hey, because I know other buyers will want to know this. What's it cost to run the pool? What's talk about I the don't know the answer what so so here's uh here's well here's how to break that down so this is my first pool ever i you know we had to look through all that information the pool uh or the owner of the, of this house had a pool guy take care of it uh, and so we just kind of called that guy and you know had him come out and he seemed uh, responsible and reliable uh, and we just kind of, um, I, I said, look, let's get through the summer on your monthly contract. So his contract offer is $175 a month. What that does is he comes out once a week. He cleans up, you know, there's a guy with a brush. He cleans up the algae and stuff. He measures the chemicals and puts more in. Um, and um, he, he takes care of all that supposedly, right? It, it, it turns out not that doesn't actually work. Like they guys don't measure it very well. And, um, you know, if it's covered, they won't do it and they're unreliable and they don't answer any phone calls. John. It's ridiculous. The, the amount of um, uh, uh, bluster and fake people in pool care is, uh, is unheard of. It's probably even worse than in real estate. Uh, although, you know, it may not be. Um, but anyway, so that's the starting point. Right? It's $75 a month to basically do nothing. Um, and then you have to run the pool pump. Uh, and there's some electricity that goes with that. You got it. Why don't we invent some kind of a unit that stays on your property, but a drone flies in and comes in and he does all the measuring for you. You don't need people. Yep. And you get um, so there is yeah, there's definitely ways to, to completely automate it. Yeah, there's gotta be a way to automate it. It is completely autom automatable. Like okay. without, with the current tools, you can. It costs about uh, you know, for about four thousand dollars, you can automate everything and you never you have to do something once a year. Oh, that's so so worth it. And you don't have to worry about any of these idiots showing up or not showing up. That's right. Ah, I love it. So, yeah, that's a whole different podcast, but that's not different the thing. So, all right. So, Wooter, tell the people who you are, what you got. He's a startup dude because he's got the hairdo for it. So, Oh, you, you want me to plug my business? You know, that's I don't feel, uh, feel like that's necessary. I do some product ma software product management. If you want to look me up online, I think you'll, yeah, you'll just have to guess where to find me. <laughs> You know, you're the first person I've actually met with the name of Wooter, and it never has been in my consciousness. And this year, I was watching cycling, and there's like four guys named Wooter. Is it a very common name? Exactly a common name. So I'm from Holland originally, and it's yeah. a common name over there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just a Dutch version of Walter is really what it is. So, you know, people my age, they're all called that. Maybe not, but a good enough. There you go. Love to learn these things. <laughs> So anything anybody wants to add on this topic? I think we've pretty much beaten it up at this part. But uh, no, it's been great having you on, given your experiences buying, selling. It's. I mean, I, I want to add one thing, which is, you know, and maybe for your the listeners for your podcast, this is all kind of known uh, stuff. But I really, really appreciated this idea that 
you know, Fred and Rene uh, and Jen and the whole team were essentially always available. Any time of day, I had a question, I go on Slack, I type in my question, and lo and behold, you know, two minutes later, I have an answer. And that yeah. is just, I mean, you know, I, I understand there's people that buy houses that don't have Slack. I don't know why they wouldn't, uh, but I, I understand some of those possibly exist. Um, but if you do know what Slack is and you ever use it, the best way in the world to buy a house is by using Ariva and using uh, Fred and, and Renee's uh, experience. Okay, give him his free T-shirt now. He's earned it. Oh, <laughs> down. It's just true. I mean, you know. Yeah, thanks. I got yeah, more we Slack. We love it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people don't know what Slack is, but do know what Microsoft Teams is because yeah, they use different companies. Same basic thing. And even um, Discord is kind of going Slackish now. They've started adding uh, channels and <laughs> where you can have sub sub talks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's true. The, the specific technology, that's not the thing. The thing is, you know, if you have a question, you type it in and the answer comes straight away. And if you don't understand it, you pick up the phone and you get a call. And it's just, you know, some other agents. Uh, you email them, and at the end of the day, you get a response. Or you call them, and they'll tell you to call you back, and they don't. And that is just not the experience I have with the refunds. I don't even understand that. But the one thing that Slack added now is something called a huddle. Have you tried a huddle yet? I think you put me in a huddle once. Well, did we try to do that? Yeah, that's, it's very cool. I annoy Rene all the time. Hey, well, huddle, invite. Well, the thing is, so the huddle, so, so Discord has this feature where if someone is doing work, you can have it activated and people can join your conversation without you them without you bothering them and getting a notification or anything. It just appears on the, a sidebar of like, oh, this person's online. You can join in their channel and they, they're available. So Slack, that's pretty in my cool. opinion. You know, right. to yeah, that would be much better. I like that. So, so that's why it annoys me because I would want that Discord feature in Slack. It, it's better functionality. It's like, you know what? He's at his desk doing work. I can just join in his call and he's available to talk. You know, that would work <laughs> better. One more. There's one more thing that I want to add and then uh, you can let me go. <laughs> I also really appreciate it. So, you know, Fred mentioned this before and I mentioned it before. I had a difficult kind of, or what I thought was a difficult financial situation at the beginning. And I just feel really kind of helped by kind of, so, you know, Fred knew some guy and I was like, okay, oh, great. This is, you know, he's going to get, um, a, 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 what's it called? A referral bonus or, uh, you know, they're under cahoots and this guy, you know, that's, I don't know what this, what this deal is. And as it turns out, none of that was true. None of my fear around, you know, how this was set up turned out to be true. In, in fact, Right. There's no business relationship between Fred and this guy. He's just kind of trying to help me. And he gave me this contact and, you know, of the guy I was able to solve my solve my problem and, and, and uh, you know, come up with a solution. And that's just it's really kind of appreciated kind of the approach that, that Fred took and the, the way he just wants to help without really kind of seemingly without really kind of this pro, uh, profit motive. Right. It's not about making, you know, shit tons of money. It's about, you know, getting people the house that they want. And sure, you know, 
um, uh, you may or may not fit, uh, fit Fred's target customer um, uh, kind of, you know, demographic. But if you do, then you know, I want to say uh, working with with Fred is great. Anyway. I so appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, we try because we don't need the headaches. You know, we we just want to put everything out front, as transparent as possible. Because it's like people who lie, the, the, their biggest problem is remembering what lies they told and to who. <laughs> it's like that's a full time job for a lot of people. Yeah, and we have the same problem with agents on the side, like the listing side. Like it's very easy to post instructions online. Like we use. Every one of our listings has its own page. You can get your uh, disclosures. You can make an appointment. Everything's on. It's fully automated. Yet these agents just don't read and they call us. Hi, I want to show your house tomorrow. And they think it's on the super lockbox and it's not. And we have special code boxes. Just it drives us crazy. And, you know, now we're going through this little thing where we have these buyers who there's credit. There's the whole thing submitted to us. And then they just back out. These buyer brokers are not telling these people it's a contract. Don't mess around. And it really pisses off the listing agent. And we have, you know, older sellers and they don't understand what's going on, you know, and it's just everybody just be straight, but they have, they have a different way of doing things and they don't understand the way we do them. And we don't understand how to work like they did. So we're trying, we're trying to automate, make life easier. That's all right. And what we're trying to make sure, like at the end of the day, I mean, it's still a hot market in California, right? So we really want to make sure that you're prepared for, other than the actual exact price, we try to give you the A through Z of what you need to be prepared with, you know? So whether, and, you know, I I personally try to, I, I try to respond at one, two in the morning. And if I need to be at some place at eight in the morning, it's it's fine. It's, you know, it's about getting it done as soon as possible because you can't wait three to four days. Yeah, if you wait those three to four days, it's it's over. And, and some agents, you know, you're, you're a little more relaxed and, well, we can get it done later. And that just doesn't work. It doesn't work in California. Yeah. It doesn't work anywhere. So we do what we do. We try our best. We work for our client, whoever it is, the buyer, the seller. And by the way, we don't do dual agency. So we never, I never represent the same, the buyer and the seller, the same property. So which is insane. Uh, but that's a whole different subject. But no, it's, uh, it's I think that's enough yakking. I think we've done and uh, we'll let you go. Woody. We really appreciate you coming on and thank you for the kind words and my best to your wife and kids. I'll, I'll update you with, uh, with the shirt. Maybe I'll have even uh, like a goodie bag. <laughs> there you go. We got to send the kids something and especially his wife something. So <laughs> we'll send we'll send a Reva for the whole family. No, <laughs> send the kids to school with it on. I don't know. I, you know, I don't let my uh, kids uh, wear any advertising for it. Okay, I don't blame you. <laughs> That's the way it's gonna work. All right, you guys. Thank All you. Right. Thanks so much. Cheers. All right. Bye. Have a good day. Okay, so do we want to continue on anything or? Uh, yeah, we've kind of bitched enough in this and uh, of the stuff that's been going on this week, but uh, well, we need to add a little more uh, positivism to the podcast. <laughs> I think we were just uh, being negative and complaining. yeah, we're complaining about the aggravation we go through, and it's just the bottom line is we shouldn't complain about it. 
we work to alleviate the problems. I mean, and what Wooter said is we just, they're prepared. We want to make sure that if you're going to buy, you buy, you can buy under the worst conditions, which is 50,000 people making offers, you know, multiple bids over the price, you know, how to deal with the price, the inspections, everything. We just want you to be ready for that. And hopefully you get just somebody says, ah, oh, just take 30 days and close whenever you want. And, you know, yeah, you can have 10 days for inspections. Great. We've gotten lucky on a couple of those. It's all about supply and demand. That's all it is, except if you're in so agents. Well, let me, I'm going to have to stop you, Fred. Please. So don't, don't, don't say, oh, we can get lucky. You can, the, the, the term of luck, you can get that if it's a property that's a little funky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fine to me. Right. If it's a nice, beautiful home, there will be no such thing as luck. All right. Four bedroom, two baths, single family in a nine school district. Just yeah. you pay what you're going to pay, and that's it because you're at war with other families. And, so, and I can say it because two mafia wars. It just has to do with real estate yep. in California. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, nobody gets shot. It's you just get disappointed a lot. Well, and that you know of. Nobody gets shot. Yeah, you, know, you know, we need to talk about El Cerrito, California. Real estate agents there. So we're selling a property there, and I forget that we have a property. I want to tell you about how the market works there. It, there's one major agent and other minor agents for probably a total of a dozen agents who do the same thing. If a house is going to sell for a million, they put it up for 800000 One of the code of ethics in the realtor code of ethics, of which we are not members, but because we have a higher standard of ethics, is that you can't list a house for something that's not around the market value. So what they're doing is getting people all excited. Oh, look, here's a house for $700,000. let us go out. And half the real estate agents they have will just take them out, not realizing what's going on. It's not their fault. They just don't understand the market. And what happens is they get this frenzy. They see all these people and it gets bid up and up and up and up and up. And this $700,000 thing closes for $900,000. And it's like, huh, what? And we can pull these stats, and we really should, so you can see original list price, what it's sold for, and the percentage. So that's the game. So we kind of got lost in the game. Again, if you probably heard earlier, we listed the property right when that tiny crash happened, um, you know, the unmasking time. And so we're I put it up at market value based on an appraisal I had, and it should have sort of sold for around there-ish kind of theory. But then everything crashed. So we had to come down and come down. And we came down even further to a point so that we could drive enough traffic so that the thing could sell for overlist. It's just like, huh? And then they, some of these people started coming up with what they called transparent pricing. Shouldn't all the pricing be transparent? <laughs> you have to specialize and notify transparent pricing, meaning this is our, like our retail price. Well, yeah, you have to advertise transparent pricing because they know that what they're doing is wrong. Yeah, because they know the, the game that the other people are playing. I think I even put it in the description. You know, be very careful about initial prices because it's not where they end up. We're pricing it at what it should be. And, like, we didn't get anything because the people don't understand. They look at Redfin here and here. They really don't read. They say, oh, this is a great location. Blah, 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 blah. You get emotionally involved 
in property before you get intelligently involved is what it really amounts to. It's like you look at the pictures, you want to go out. Every buyer we have is like this, you know, but then it's like, you know, now you see all the properties. Now you kind of see the game. Hopefully there's a 360, um, you know, but if there's not, it makes it even worse. So it's, it's just it's just annoying to people who are buyers because you know if you got 10 people interested and you pick one okay but when you have a hundred people interested and 90 of them don't even qualify for what the actual real price is you've just pissed people off and and taken away resources to do nothing you still have those 10 real buyers anyway so what's the point of doing this so that's my real bitch of the week <laughs> for El Cerrito California and, and I won't add any because I don't want to complain any longer. So. There you go. Positive and negative. Here we go. We can, uh, we can do that. Jen's just in the middle going, oh, God. No, she, probably, she probably already muted us. I, I'm oh, curious. yeah. She definitely she muted us from the beginning. So no, no. I'm sure. No. Anyway, I guess that's it. But, uh, hey, interest rates are back to being really low. I'm starting to get some refinances here and there. I'm seeing that. I just locked somebody at two and a quarter on a 15-year. Oh, I'm sorry, on a 20-year fixed, actually. So the 20-year has a big difference from the 30-year. So if you're thinking about refinancing, look at the 20-year rates this week. For some reason, they're they're a hot commodity. How much was the 30-year? Oh, it was probably two and three quarters. But they've been like, you know, an eighth or a quarter difference or sometimes the same for a long time. And I haven't looked at the 20 year, to be honest. Nobody's asked about it. So I kind of took it out of my mind. But I've done over the years lots of 20s. 20s are great. When you get, you know, you know you're five years into the loan, you paid down the money, you're making more money. And it's like, okay, I want to get rid of the loan now. That's what most people refi, they want to get you know, down to a 20 or 15 and get rid of it. So second stage. Um. What else is cooking on our end? Well, we got the drone. We got the Matterport going on our own. We've done our, we've done the first one, and we're sending it out for virtualization. It came out fabulous. Nice and clean, beautiful house coming in Belmont. We can't pre-market it because when it's out, it's out, and everybody knows about it. I don't understand these coming soons. Oh, let's get people excited. Yeah. Same people are going to come out whether you do a pre you know, this pre-listing, whatever junk it is, coming soon or an actual house. Okay, well, if any of you are agents listening to this and you have coming soon, then you're going to offer cookies and coffee. <laughs> I'll join in for the cookies and coffee, so whatever. He's so easy. What? Free, Mr. Free Lunch. Oh, yeah, you'll start going on tours and all over the place. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. Then just know, and, and, and for all of you that are buyers and sellers, just know that they don't that that doesn't work because it's just people like me going for free food. So he's a, he has a free food nose. This guy, um, especially for uh, he he really picked up on the vaccination card for the Krispy Kreme donut every day. He was up oh, to, absolutely. Yeah, how many days in a row were you? I so I I have a record of uh, fifty seven days, and then there was a couple of days that I I was traveling and. I went on vacation, so I stopped. But now I've been going like one day yes, one day no kind of thing. Um, to be able to burn off calories in your 20s is one of the greatest things in life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Anyway. Nice. 
All right. So we hit a little on mortgages, real estate market. You know, again, depends on the area, but it's coming back in NoCal and uh, ping us, do whatever. I don't know. Push this, subscribe. You know what to do, kids. Anyway, uh, I guess we can stop the recording now because. Yeah. We'll, we'll see you at some point in the, in the next week or two weeks exactly. when we release the next one. And remember, We Fixed Real Estate is a uh, pending trademark of Arriva Inc., so don't steal it. <laughs>